Anyways, um, I'm privileged to be able to share the message with you, and as I was um, preparing it, I talked to Pastor Brent yesterday, and I was going through it, and there's, if you guys know the Beatitudes, there's eight of them, and I was like, there's no way I'm going to get that in, in an hour. I can't get eight points in an hour. I could talk off of one point for a really long time, so I was like, is there any way that we could break it up? So it doesn't on here, it's not, it wasn't originally planned on here, but there will be a part two that will come in a, a couple weeks, so or I'm going to go over four, so that way I don't have you guys sit here for three hours, we're only going to stay here for four, okay? Oh, I mean, just an hour, <laughs> just an hour, just teasing. Um, no, but we've been in a series um, discussing the theme, right faith, right prayer, right giving. Today we'll be discussing the right attitudes according to Jesus in Matthew 5 on Sermon on the Mount. And uh, if you have kids in here, you guys know it's always good to, sometimes our kids need to check their attitudes. I'm not pointing out any kids. Okay, okay, before you say yeah and start shouting them down, know that God is looking at us too, saying the same thing. So we got to check our attitudes too, so sometimes. So, and that's why I've... Um, titled this, The Journey of Becoming a Disciple, a Christ Follower of Jesus. And you see that my title, the word is incomplete. Because in our pursuit of Jesus, we never arrive. It's always a constant pursuit of finding him, knowing him even further. And so if we think we've arrived, it's probably a good time to check our attitudes. (laughs) So with that in mind, um, Uh, Jesus is going to be discussing what true righteousness looks like. Um, But before we get started, let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you, God, that you've given us your word to study it, to understand it. But we thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit to give us revelation and understanding of what that looks like. And we just thank you for your grace, for your mercy, for your patience. We thank you that you're so patient with each of us. We thank you, God, that you know exactly what each of us need. And we thank you that... You don't desire just to do miracles, signs, and wonders in our life, but you desire for us to be blessed and to bless the world around us. God, would you show us what that looks like? Show us according to your word. Allow it to come to life. Speak to and change and transform our mind, our thoughts, our hearts, and bring it into alignment with your word, your will, your way, and your truth. God, speak to us today, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right, so true righteousness. Jesus is talking about this. And this is very important because, oh, man, I got a jam going. So, you know, I was thinking about that, too, and thanks for giving me a thought here. Uh, this is Jesus' like, debut of, a, like, an awesome teaching. So, like, if you guys know, like, your NBA debut, like, a first, this is your first time going out there, and, like, this is the day. And, and for me, I'm like, whoo, this is a lot of pressure because I'm not Jesus, so I might... Shoot and miss and airball it, but that's okay. He'll 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 um he'll speak to you through this. Amen. Amen. So righteous character. He talks about this in becoming a disciple, Matthew five. And you can turn there. We're not going to go all the way one through ten. There'll be a part two of that. One through six is what we'll get to. Uh, righteous character, and this brings blessing to the life of a believer. And I believe that if you catch this, this has the ability to change and transform your life. And this is something that we will always have to constantly evaluate. Now, of the time, there were Pharisees in Jesus' time that taught righteousness was something that you could see, an external thing. 
such as like what you've heard about, like people praying in public, like what Pastor Brent talked about, the right prayer or the right faith or the right giving, okay? The Pharisees did it to be seen. They did it for self, uh, self-gain, and they did it for their own um, evil intentions. And so it's not a matter of obeying rules and regulations, okay? So in their eyes, like I said, the Pharisees measured righteousness, by what they did, praying, fasting, giving, you name it. But we've learned, just like Pastor Brent mentioned in the previous messages, Jesus is very countercultural, okay? So we might have a worldview, but if it's not in alignment with God's biblical worldview, what his word says, it's probably going to rub us a little bit differently. And that's good, because he wants us to see it the way he sees it. Amen? I believe he loved the Pharisees, but I believe he loved his people too, all of his people. Okay, and he's trying to teach us something here. So righteous, what am I saying? Righteousness is not something you achieve. It's something you believe. It's not something you do, but it's something you see. Righteousness is achieved by what you believe. What you believe will determine if God releases his blessing on your life. And this is very important as we go into the Beatitudes as Jesus talks about what it looks like to become a disciple. And so if you, if you capture this, if you see the attitudes that Jesus is saying, these beatitudes will change and transform your life, okay? So I have a scripture I want to go to, Genesis 15, 4 to 6. You don't have to turn there. If you want to, you can, but it's on the screen here. Then the word of the Lord came to came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them, then he said to him, so your offspring shall be. Abraham believed the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Okay, so God comes to Abraham and makes him a promise. And this is a promise that Abraham can't do, can't accomplish on his own. Because you look at the stars in the sky, there's no way Abraham can have that big of a family in his lifetime. Because <laughs> you can't count the stars in the sky. <laughs> there's too many. But he believed it. He believed that God was able to, okay? And so what, what I'm trying to capture here before we jump into the message is that righteousness is something you believe or something who you believe in, Okay? Romans says it like this. Abraham was justified by faith. Uh, Romans 4, chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. It says, What shall we say? Uh, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered this in his matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by his works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. What does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, wages are not credited as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the one who does not work, but trust God who justifies the ungodly, their faith is credited to his righteousness. David said the same thing when he speaks of the blessedness of the one whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord will never count against them. And this is interesting because David declares a blessing in the same way of teaching that Jesus would and it's, it's on this, this truth. None of us are righteous. All of us fall short. But through belief in, in our relationship with Christ, we're made righteous. He just asks for this. Believe in him. And in exchange, he gives us a relationship with God the Father in right standing. That's all righteousness is. It's in right standing with God and his standard. None of us were able to do that according to the law. And the Pharisees in their time were hard on the people, along with the Roman government. But 
the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they came up with more laws. <laughs> and actually recently I heard that uh, on the Sabbath, it would be breaking the Sabbath. There's a 50-floor building. It would be breaking the Sabbath to go from one floor to jump up two floors. You, don't, you can only go one floor at a time. That's crazy. If I want to get to the 50th floor, that's, just to go one floor is work? That was, that's just an example, okay? They had some pretty hard rules that it was, were hard for people to follow. And so people felt overlooked. They felt like they didn't, weren't righteous, okay? Because this is what, what the teaching was before Jesus comes. And so Jesus comes, and the kingdom, before the context of this, the kingdom, Jesus says, the kingdom is near. Repent, for the kingdom is near. He performs miracles to incurable diseases, sicknesses, demon-possessed, paralyzed Caesars, and pains. Okay, he came to perform, to do those things. Okay, so crowds come in from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, and Judea. And this is important to realize because people are following Jesus from, like, they're going the distance. And this is pretty crazy because Jesus, when he looks at them, people, you know what a disciple is? Someone, a Christ follower, someone who follows Jesus. So when Jesus looked at them, these were potential disciples. But these were most likely people who were poor, who were overlooked by religious leaders in the roving government. Because back in their time, things were measured by this. And it's kind of similar to now, your status. What's your status? Do you have a lot of followers? you got a lot of friends? In their time, it was according to your rank, to your riches, your power, authority, your wealth, how much you had. Or in the Pharisees' mindset, how you pray, how you give to be seen, how you dress maybe. Okay, but Jesus is, has a whole different teaching that's countercultural to all this. And so Jesus, or Matthew, our author, is declaring about Jesus, our Messiah King. And he's declaring to the crowds, to the poor. So they have an understanding of this first verse. Go to Matthew chapter 5, and we'll start here. So Jesus, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and he, when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is very wise, and he's very methodical in how he uses his words. Because when he speaks to you, he's going to use something that he knows exactly what you need and how you can relate to it. Okay, so when he's speaking to the crowds, people, poor, oh, that resonates. Overlooked, I, I don't have, if you go and study it, it means they completely la- are lacking their resources, like a beggar, okay? And so they understand this. And so they come from this place where Jesus has healed them, he's performed miracles, he's cast out demons, but Jesus says this. He doesn't want to just do that in our, your life, but he wants to de- declare blessing over you even further. Come on, amen? Anybody want to be blessed even further than miracles, signs, and wonders? Come on. I'll say amen all by myself. I want to be blessed. Lord, teach me how. But with that blessing always comes a challenge, okay? Always comes a challenge in God's word. He always requires something out of it. It's an attitude adjustment. Just like when you require something out of your kid. Oh, you want to go hang out with your friend? Go clean your room. No! All right, I'll go clean my room. I'll change my attitude. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Before I want you to see this, God blesses those who are poor in spirit. He says the kingdom of heaven is theirs. But my question to you to start off is, how are you blessed? What makes you blessed? Well, I would say, according to this scripture, the one who declares you blessed. 
If we learn to understand these attitudes and the beatitudes, we will surely be blessed. But like I said, you will always have to constantly evaluate. Man, I've had to constantly evaluate. When I went through these, studying these, I was like, whoa, Lord, that is, uh, yeah, I've got to accept that for myself. Um, could you help me to follow that? Because I am not doing a good job at that. Okay? We always have to evaluate that. Evaluate and submit ourselves under that. Okay? And so what I'm, well, my first principle here is blessed are those who are poor. If you're completely lacking resources, you have a need. You need just like my little one, Ophelia, she can't do anything for herself. She needs mine and Lizzie's help. And so my principle here is blessed are those who are utterly dependent upon him. Just like Ophelia is dependent upon me and Lizzie to make sure she's safe and fed and, and taken care of. Lizzie does most of that. but Because um, I'm, I'm at work, okay? Not because I don't want to, but. And she's, she's a lot better at that than I am, so. Um, but, uh. I'm getting myself in trouble here, and Lizzie's not even here. It's not that bad. Easy. Don't judge me. Um, all right. So anyways, let's get back to the point here. Come on. Let's look at your guys' life here. <laughs> all right. So Jesus is saying spiritually bankrupt, okay? We are nothing without him, and we need him for everything. That's why he came in the form as a baby, to show us what it looked like to be poor. He needed God. But he put people in their life to help them, okay? And so my first point here is we have to utterly be dependent upon him. I'm going to give you an illustration to help you understand this, okay? The rich and the kingdom of God. So this is the rich ruler. Jesus is talking. Just, as, just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get to eternal life? Or get to the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. You can phrase that another way, okay? Why do you ask me about what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You should not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And this man's like, I got these. All these I've kept, the young man said. What do, what do I still lack? Mm. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect... If you want to be like me, if you want to understand what I'm saying here, go sell your possessions and give to the poor. Did Jesus want his possessions? What did he want? His heart. But he also wanted him to realize, okay, you see how your status is, rich ruler, but I need you to see how God sees your status. And this is the thing that's in the way. You're not utterly dependent upon me. Well, Andy, how could you say that? Let's, let's, let's see how he responds. Let's see what his attitude is. Then come follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. He was sad that he was going to lose what he worked for or what was given to him. He loved the world. He loved his possessions. That maybe gave him power, rank. I don't know. But he trusted that. He was dependent upon that. What are you dependent upon? Let me give you another illustration to help you understand here what I'm saying. Jesus is now tested in the wilderness. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, so he was hungry. Has anybody ever fasted 40 days and 40 nights? (laughs) That would be difficult. (laughs) 
I don't know if I could do 40 days. Maybe 21, but not 40. I've never done 40 days and 40 nights. So you can imagine. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Did you hear that? How many love food here? Come on. I'm going to eat something good after this. We're going to eat some Panera. Jill's buying because her son's uh, works there. I'm <laughs> just playing. Just teasing. Just teasing. No, um, no, Jesus is saying here that, hey, we live by bread, but not that alone. We don't live by food alone. But every word that comes from the mouth of God. What is he saying? I need to hear God daily. He's able to look at the devil and say, no, that's not the only thing that, is, that keeps me, sustains me. That's my provision. That's my strength. That it gives me the ability to continue on. He says this, man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. What Jesus showed you and me there is that he valued being utterly dependent more on God and his word and what he was speaking to him rather than just food. Now, I'm, saying, I'm not saying don't eat. Okay, don't get that picture. Okay, because um, that would probably be really unhealthy <laughs> if you didn't eat. But I'm, what I'm saying here is, are you utterly dependent upon him? Are you completely dependent upon God, upon Jesus, his word, his spirit in your life? Do you understand your status? You're not righteous, and there's nothing that you can do. There's nothing that you can accomplish. Okay, we all work for, for food, yes? And work for all the things that we do, yes? But there's nothing that you can work for to to attain a true righteousness that Jesus is saying. Jesus is speaking to the crowd, and he's saying, hey, your status right where you're at right now, you have an understanding that people don't necessarily, that are rich, don't have this understanding, okay? You're dependent. You're, you're, You're begging. And this is what Jesus is saying. To have this kind of attitude, be begging, utterly dependent upon him, upon Jesus, to make you righteous. His word to help you, to set you free from the enemy's hold. How did Jesus, how was he able to say no to the enemy? Because when I read this, I'm like, I can't do that, God. There's no way. But see, if you understand this, if you continue to be utterly dependent upon him, he says, my kingdom's yours. The king looks at his people and he says, my kingdom, didn't you just see it? Cast, I, I, I heal people, here at incurable diseases, sicknesses, cast it out. Didn't you just see my kingdom? My kingdom's right here. I don't want to just, just stop right there. Because a lot of times we all stop right there. God doing such a powerful transformation in your life. But, man, is there addiction that he wants to break in your life? Is there something that he wants to set you free from today? He can do it, but you just have to be utterly dependent upon him. You're not righteous by your works, but through faith in Jesus. I got to keep going here. <laughs> See, this is why we're doing four, not eight. <laughs> when we're completely dependent upon God, God has an inheritance for you and for me. He's just waiting for you to continue to trust Him. He has freedom, freedom, healing, miracles, blessings, wisdom, grace, mercy, love, understanding, discernment, endurance, character. I, I want to go on. But I want the king to speak to yourself and, and to show you what he has available to you because he's the king. He's going to give you exactly what you need. You just got to come to him. I need you, God. I'm nothing without you. All right, let's continue. 
uh, Beatitudes, the second, um, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Did I, did I explain that first point pretty good? You guys got the good? Okay. All right. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Another word for that is, in my principle, my second point is, who are contrite. What that means is that the feeling or sh- showing sorrow and remorse for a sin or feeling or expressing remorse affected by guilt, okay? And so, Jesus being the Messiah King, this is so important that we remember that first point. God, I need you. What are they mor- mourning over? What, is, what are you crying about? What, well, if you go and study it, it's a grief of a, a loss of something. Well, all the way from the beginning, we lost something. It was a relationship with God due to sin. So when Jesus is saying mourning here, he's saying in regards to our relationship, we've lost that personal relationship. And I'm going to show you here, okay, because I know this is kind of this is kind of a tricky um, tricky principle to understand here. But let me give you an illustration, okay? So Jacob, does anybody know the story of Joseph? Love that story. Joseph is about to be sold as a slave, and his brothers... They, they, this is what they do in Genesis 37, 33 to 35. They dip the beautiful coat in the goat's blood and bring it to their father. We found this. They say, look to see whether it's your son's robe. They didn't tell Jacob any lies. They didn't have to. Jacob, in his own mind of this horrible story, believed his son's death. And even though it was made up in, in, in Jacob's mind, he didn't necessarily know all the details. This is a great picture of our lives. In the Father's heart in regards to sin. Because Jesus wants us to understand what it looks like to be blessed and mourn. But we have to see it from his eyes and what that looks like. Have you guys ever lost something or grieved over something before? In this story, uh, Jacob, he says, it's my son's robe. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Now, a ferocious animal has not devoured him, but... Do you know what the Bible describes as a ferocious animal? Sin. The enemy prowls, looking to devour all any of those who are weak. And you know what he's coming with? Tempting with sin. And so this is a picture. And it, it was sin. It was their brother's sin. <laughs> they betrayed him. And so this, he's, oh, Jacob's the father, he's overcome with grief. And then Jacob tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and mourned for his son many days. I hope you see that this is the heart of the Father for you and for me. When Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. And his word is supposed to point us back to knowing who he is. Listen what happens. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. No, he said, in the morning I will go down to the grave to my son. So his father wept for him. Nothing could comfort the heart of Jacob for his son's loss. Judah was the one who betrayed Joseph. In his, but his attitude changed throughout this, this story. Judah was the one who... And I'm bringing out another brother of the story, Judah's his, his brother, his half-brother, okay? Different moms. But I, I need you to see this because he's changed and transformed. Because his attitude was, I don't like Joseph. And I'm actually going to betray Joseph. You see that. There's a bitterness against Joseph. He's the father's favorite. He's got the robe. Well, let's get rid of him. Judas has that kind of mindset first going in. 
But he's changed and transformed. Because we fast forward it here. Joseph has another brother, full brother, Benjamin. Fully related. Same mom, same dad. Okay? And Joseph's in Egypt. He's already been a slave there. He's already sold as a slave, okay? And he's been through a lot there. But now he's second in command. And Joseph is requiring Benjamin to come. And Jacob hears this and he's like, I don't I think I can do that again. I don't think I can do I can't send my son. I already lost one. Nothing could comfort Jacob except being reunited with his son. And it was hard for him to send his other son. But this is interesting because Judah, dad, I'll make sure he comes back. Whoa, Judah. And I want you to see this because blessed are those who mourn. It's not something you do. It's something you see. When you see the father mourn, Judah saw his dad mourn, and there's nothing that was comforting him. Dad, I'll make sure Benjamin gets back. So he goes to Egypt. Joseph's requiring of him. Fast forward. Joseph comes to to his father, Jacob, and they're reunited. And Jacob says this, now my heart can depart in peace. He's comforted knowing that his son is restored. But before that, too, before that, there's this moment between Joseph and and Benjamin and Judah and Joseph, nobody knows that Joseph's in Egypt. They thought he's gone. <laughs> okay, but he's second in command. And he's, I want Benjamin to be my, my servant, my slave. And Judah steps up to the scene. He's like, no, take me. Take me. I can't let my father down again. I saw what it made him feel. Yeah, I saw it. I experienced it. And there was nothing that could come for him. I can't let his son go. So what am I saying here? Blessed are those who are, who are contrite. Judah felt a remorse. He felt, he, he, was, he was expressing remorse and he was affected by guilt. But he saw the father's heart. And he's like, I, I, I don't want to do that again. His attitude changed. He was no longer betraying Joseph, but he was standing up for Joseph's brother. So what I'm saying here, this is not something you do, but it's something you feel, you see. Do you see the heart of the Father for you? Do you see the Father mourning for a restored personal relationship with his children? Yes, you mourn over your sin. You can apply that as well, just like Judah did. But most importantly is that you see God's heart. That is what's comforting. That's what restores us. Let's go on to our next point here. Blessed are those who are humble. Or in the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Meekness is not a word that's used a lot. And it's not weakness. But in their time, I I can see how it is is viewed as that way. Because they're very cutthroat. But meekness is this. It's exercising God's strength under his control. Or gentleness is another good synonym or word for that. How did Jesus come? Gently as a baby. He should have came and just wiped all of us out. Because of our sin. He's the righteous and holy God. He, he, he should have came. He, he had every right to do that, but he didn't come that way. Meekness is, is this. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 to 11, it says this. Your relations with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who in, being, in the very nature 
God, did not consider himself equality with God something to be used in his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus, come on, he's the most important piece of this. He's the only one that we have a right relationship with God. We're in right standing with God. And he's telling, he's speaking to people, don't be like the world around you is cutthroat. Whatever I give to you, whatever possession I give to you, the earth is, is Jesus. Everything in it, nothing was created without, without him or through him. But you need to have this kind of attitude that when I give you things, I need you to respond gently. I don't, not use your place of power or, or authority or position to get what's yours for your own self-gain. Jesus didn't do that. He came as a servant. That's what he's doing. He's serving you and me. Let me give you an example here to help you understand, uh, an illustration here to help you understand um, meekness. I'm going to probably just um, summarize it uh, just for the sake of time here. Jesus is, this is the triumphal entry. Jesus, when he enters into Jerusalem, is he riding on a stallion like a king with armor and a sword? No. He's fulfilling what the prophecy said of how the Messiah King Jesus would come on a donkey for peace. He came in humility. He came to restore, to amend, to make right what we made wrong. He came to make peace. He came gently on a donkey. And see, the Pharisees didn't understand this because when they came in, they said, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And the Pharisees were like, Jesus, tell them to stop that. Because they were trying to prove Jesus wrong this whole time. And they're, they're telling Jesus, tell, tell him to be quiet. And Jesus, he knows who he is. He knows what he came to do. He says, well, if I, if I tell them to do that, if, I, if you want me to do that, okay. But this is what's going to happen. The rocks are going to cry out. The rocks that have no value. Because here's, here, here's the truth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So if, if, if people aren't going to worship, here's, here's the deal. Creation's going to worship God. But that's our place to worship God. And so he wants the Pharisees to understand this. Hey, blessed are the meek, but I shouldn't hurt the earth. And he came in that kind of way, and they didn't understand it. So the earth is your inheritance, but it's not for personal gain. It's for this, that every tongue that would acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, and for the glory of God the Father, that's what Jesus came for. To know that he's Lord, that he's the Messiah, that he's the Savior, but for God's glory. How do we apply this? How do I, how do I be humble? Know this. You, you are important, but you consider yourself nothing, no matter what position, power, authority you have, just as Jesus did for you. Are there any areas of your life where you need to humble yourselves? Are there any areas of your life that you need to surrender control? God blesses those who are humble. My last point here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. My principle here is who earnestly desire his standards. What's his standard? A right relationship with him. How do you do that? Not something you can do. You have to be utterly dependent upon him. 
mourn over your sin. He's the only one that can comfort you. Realize that he's, he's given you the place of where you're at right now. So humbly serve under his submission, under his power, under his control. And realize this. Desire his standards. God does not want us to be made in right standing alone with him through our belief in Jesus. But he also wants us to become more and more like him. How do we do this? Well, how did it look when you weren't with Jesus? You longed for that. You hungered for that. You thirsted for that because that's your deepest desire. And you saw that in, in, in Matthew. Jesus says, or when Jesus was testing the wilderness, Jesus said, man doesn't live by bread alone because that's not his only need. The most important need is relationship with God. But you're like, well, I, I can't respond like that. That's kind of hard. You keep this attitude and the kingdom of heaven is yours. And God is going to satisfy you. I'm going to help you understand this. I know this is kind of a lot to understand here. But what I want you to see is remain in that state of hunger and thirst. How many like to remain hungry and thirsty? Anybody? Okay. If you're raising your hand, you're pretty crazy. <laughs> so I'm like, uh, Jesus, you want me to remain in that way? I don't really like where I'm at right now, though, God. But you can be blessed right where you're at is what he's saying. You can be blessed if you catch this attitude. Who earnestly desire his standards. Let me give you an illustration. Then Jesus was, like I said, he, or I gave you that illustration already. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. What are you hungry for? Are you hungry for the things of this world? Are you hungry for God's word? To know him. To see him. Let me give you another example here. Then Jesus told his disciples in a parable to show them. This is a persistent widow who comes, Okay. And if, if you study the word righteousness, it also means justice. Did you know injustice was, was done to you and to me at, at the beginning? By Satan. And that's what Jesus, the Messiah King, came to, to make right. Your relationship with us and with people because of what Satan did to us. And listen to this, listen to this, okay? In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. There was a widow in town who kept coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because the widow keeps bothering me, I see that she gets justice, so she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, listen to what the, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice in quickly. However, this, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Is you, do you have that kind of faith? Do you have that kind of hunger and thirst for justice in your life? I'll tell you, in my life, I had to constantly desire that. There, God set me free from addictions to drugs because here's the deal. When I was younger, I, I, I looked for who I was, my identity, and all these other places. And I never found it. But I just, God saw my heart. I just wanted a father. And he saw that hunger and desire. And he didn't call my sin out right then and there. But he showed me, my love, showed me his love through my mom. He said, you deserve more than that. You deserve more than that. And so remain in that desire 
of hungering and thirsting and earnestly desiring God, and God will satisfy your deepest desire. And God did that. Even though I was stuck in my sin, stuck where I was at, I was hungering and thirsting, and I didn't even realize it for him. And he came and satisfied that. And the, I, I still used drugs the day right before God told me that he loved me. And I, I woke up, and my mom knew, too, like the day before. And she's like, I couldn't sleep. I felt like God kept telling me that you were using again. I began to weep and cry because God saw my hunger. He saw my thirst for desire and relationship. He saw my desire not to stay stuck where I was at. He saw my desire to have justice in my life, but I couldn't bring it by my own strength. I had to, I just was hungry for a relationship with my father. All you have to do is believe in God and his word. God sent Jesus to save you, to make you righteous and right standing with him. But there were other things that were in my life that I wasn't set free from right away. Keep that hunger. Keep that thirst. Keep being utterly dependent upon him because this is the deal. Jesus says he's going to satisfy you and he's going to set you free from those things because the kingdom of heaven is yours. Amen? We can have the worship team come at this time. So one, if you want to hunger and thirst for God, believe in God and his word. Two, Desire to hear from God and his word daily. And three, pray and seek God daily until you receive his justice from your adversary. I want to close with this. Blessed are those who are utterly dependent upon him. Are you utterly dependent upon God? Upon his word? spirit in your life. Take some time to reflect and allow God to speak to you. Are, are, are you contrite? Is there any of your area of your life where you're maybe, maybe you haven't been sorrowful for your sin and affected by guilt and maybe you don't see how God's heart is in that area. But maybe he's speaking to you and he wants to comfort you. Maybe you thought that sin could comfort you. It's a lie. I can't. Only he can. Blessed are those who are humble. Is there any area of your life where maybe you need to humble yourselves before God or surrender control? And lastly, God blesses those who earnestly desire his standards. Are you hungry and thirsty for a relationship with him? If you are, with your heads bowed, eyes closed. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, will you hear me today that true righteousness comes by belief in Him? And you want to believe in Him. That's all He's looking for. And He'll make you righteous. He'll make you clean. He'll make you whole. If you want to take that first step or recommit even, with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, whether you're watching online or you're here today, if you can just pray this and believe this in your heart. Dear God, Please forgive me of my sins. Thank you for sending Jesus to save me. I believe in you as my Lord and my Savior. I surrender. Mm. Just take that in for a second. Take the Father's embrace, those that are coming home right now and believing in Jesus. 
Allow him to speak to you and show him his love for you. God, if there's anyone in this room, God, you spoke to them that you want to bless them even further than just doing miracles. If our attitudes aren't in alignment with your beatitudes, Lord, would you come and show us what it looks like to be poor in spirit? Would you teach us to be utterly dependent upon you? Would you show us what's available to us? Would you teach us to mourn over what we longed for something other than you. Forgive us, Lord. And would you comfort us and show us how to continue to come to you and mourn and long for you. God, would you show us what it looks like to be meek, to be humble, and show us that you desire to give us exactly what we need on this earth. You'll take care of us. God, would you show us what it looks like to hunger and thirst for you always, Because that's the only thing that will satisfy us, God, is knowing you and making you known. Would you speak to us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Could you guys stand at this time? God, I thank you that you hear us, that you see us. And Lord, our prayer is that we see you. God, would we see you just like through the life of Jacob, that nothing will comfort the heart of a father until he sees his children in restored relationship with you. Help us to see that today, God. Help us to see your love today, God. And I thank you through that, God. You you help us with our attitudes. Sometimes we need to evaluate that, God. And just like the song says, God, we surrender. Just like a little kid that runs to his father and throws his hands up, God, we surrender. We want you, Father. More of you. Be with us this week. Bless us this week. And everywhere we go, Lord, I thank you that we are blessed because you declare we're blessed. Would you help us to come in agreement with that, in alignment with your word, your will, your way. Speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us this morning. God, I can show you and speak to you with you guys on the message this week. I hope you guys have a good week, and God bless you. And remember to make sure to submit your marriage questions. I have a funny one that I'm going to put on there, so.